The podcast where we debate which track to scratch off some of the most known and unknown albums of all time. We live in an era of singles. This is an album. People no longer listen to an album for the work it truly is. It kind of defines a band. It's just not something that people relate to nowadays. We've all gotten the dreaded. It started out as a game. Which track on the album would you scratch out if you had to? Hey everyone, welcome to another exciting episode of the Scratch the Track Podcast presented by the Dude and Grim Show and co-produced by Mr. I-V-E-S-T. I am the Dude. And I am Grim. And uh, today, shit's getting a little icky. We're going to talk about sticky bangers by the Rolling Stones. We're not talking about like sticky fingers when you used to scrape like resin from your bowl. Not sticky like that. Or All even right. rolling up a fresh J. Nope. Nothing like that. Nope. Not that we know anything about that. So, anyways, Grim. Now, this is the ninth British studio album and the 11th American studio album. Which, dude, I'm so oh. glad of... Maybe um, I shouldn't say studio, but album. But yeah, but, you know... One thing I will say that I'm happy about in the digital age of music is there isn't all this bullshit like there's a, a UK release and a US release and a this and a that. Like albums just come out and they are what they are. There is that. Although I do At think least- the US version of the Beatles Rubber Soul is better because I've just seen a face track one. Exactly. So, um, now, dude, I thought it was interesting. This is their the first album post Alan Klein. They finally got out from underneath that POS, what right? A like, dirty I mean, what the for fuck those people who don't know the full story, we won't go into it. But essentially, he was not a very good business manager. What well, I mean, well, he was for, for his Rolling, own sake. For, for the Rolling Stones, he wasn't a very yeah, good business yeah. manager. He's great uh, for himself, you know, and still, basically swindled them out of all their 1960s basically music that they created um all the u.s i guess would be considered the u.s versions or tracks yeah um is is kind of how i understand it It does get a little confusing and they were in litigation and lawsuits for i think for years into the 90s weren't they yeah well they ended up losing uh when they tried to sue him um but then in 1984, they did make a settlement. Now, I don't know what that settlement is, but that, you know, can be discussed on a whole nother, maybe its own episode. I don't know. You know, um, I feel like they should have had him killed. That's just, that's just, I maybe call that a gut reaction, but I mean, dude, you know that they knew some pretty sketchy folks. Yeah, I mean. You know, there's conspiracies about Brian Jones and how he died. I don't think the Stones had anything to do with that. But um, I don't either. You know. But um, I mean, dude, the thing is, whether it was in his pool or it was his, or it was going to be in two weeks, he was on a path of self destruction for a long time, dude. He was. He was. And Alan Klein did pass away in 2009. So I don't know what that. You know, if that affects his estate, his. I mean, because technically the company he was with. The company he owned and what they're saying is uh, ABKCO. Um, Abco. They, 
Ebco, they they pretty much, I'm sure, have the rights to, you know, all these songs. So anyways, um, enough with that, Grim. So first album without Alan Klein, also the first um, album without Brian Jones. That's yeah, that's kinda, interesting. Kind of kind of trippy. Um, second full length album, I guess, with Mick Taylor, because they were saying, I guess they released a live album and he, he played on that. Yeah, so, but... Um, yeah, yeah, the first like real album. I, I just yeah. for some reason I'm sorry. I just live albums are great. They just don't call it like an album in the it, same way as studio. It just isn't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Unless, and actually, get your yayas out. It's an awesome album. Like it's really good. Yeah, it is. It is. Now I could, I could, I could call it maybe somewhat of an album if it was played one live and two the songs had never been recorded or played before kind of like the beatles let it be a little bit you know yeah um with some of that i i, yeah. I could i could i could give a pass how about that i give yep. a pass give a pass um, anyways so grim where do you rank this in your rolling stones sort of discography of of favorites man how how do you it's not your favorite do we start there no, it okay. isn't, but it's up there. Let's see. Are we... Typically, you and I have resorted to discussing things and for the Rolling Stones. What is it, like the big five? Yeah, it's kind Tiger's of... Banquet. Let It Bleed. Let It Bleed. Sticky. Sticky Fingers, Exile on Exile, Main Street. Tattoo. Tattoo you. Yeah. And we tend we, we in the past we have left out uh, goat's head soup. Yeah, because dude, I'm uh, on, as a whole like I leave out some girls too. Because as a whole, uh, I just don't I I can't put those in the same category. Yeah, I'd probably mm. put this like fourth. Fourth, okay. Dude, so yeah, maybe put, third or third or it kind of fluctuates between third and fourth. I mean, Exile to me is it's kind of hard to beat Exile on Main Street. That's tough. That's just such a solid piece of work. And I kind of go back and forth between like Beggar's Banquet, Let It Bleed a lot. This one. Yeah. I, yeah, it's it's hard for me because I would put I might put this one first. I think for me, it's between this and Exile. These these are the two that I end up now. I, these are the two that I listen to the most. Is Sticky Fingers oh. and Exile o- over over the other ones? Man, also, Let It Bleeds. Once one once once we get into the tracks, I don't want to spoil anything yet. But um, this actually does have my favorite Rolling Stones song on it. So, oh, I think we can. Can I guess? Okay. Well, yeah, you probably know. I mean, that's fine. Dude, I, can't you hear me knocking? You're knocking. Shit, yeah. dude. It's the, easily yeah. the best song on the album. Yeah, yeah. And I think it's And, you know, after people go ahead and do us the solid of uh, like, you know, liking and commenting below, um, please tell us what your favorite song is, what you would scratch on the album and why. I can't imagine you would scratch Can't You Hear Me Knocking. If you do, I'm going to urge you to to seek urgent and very intensive psychiatric care. Um, no offense, you're just you. wrong. I, I don't know how to say that otherwise. Like you, you know, I realize that everyone has their opinion, but you're just wrong. Yeah. So there's that. 
you know. There's that. Now, There's dude, that. the cover is well, okay, a couple things. Yeah. The cover I do there's there was a lot of a lot of stuff about the artwork that I found interesting. Um dude recording a chunk of it in Muscle Shoals uh at, yeah. at the original Muscle Shoals sound, which I think is cool. It sounds like they just went there because they wanted to see this place that like so much of their favorite music came from. Mm-hmm. And they were kind of like, while we're here, I mean, we might as well just uh you know, go ahead and record some like subscribe and comment below. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We uh, might as well just go ahead and record wild horses, brown sugar, yeah. and uh, you know, you gotta move. Just you know yeah. a couple well, of so, classics in the catalog, just throw them yeah. down quick. Now, Graham, you remember a little documentary called Gimme Shelter. I, I was gonna to get into that where you actually see them in Muscle Shoals and like yeah. Yeah, they're listening to playback, and Keith is like yeah. so out of it. Where like he's kind of tapping his foot to the his rhythm foot, with his like gator or snakeskin boots or whatever they are. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah that I mean, first of all, if you haven't seen that documentary, "Give Me Shelter," it is absolutely fantastic. Highly recommend it. Um, uh, but also, you know, I have that on like Criterion Collection did a DVD of it, and so it's even out on Blu-ray and stuff now too. But um, they do have some, I guess what you would call outtakes and they do have some, some longer versions from what I remember of, you know, just the, the full version of them, like listening to like wild horses and I think some oh, other cool. songs and whatnot. Also them playing some stuff live, um, you know, cause for the documentary, they don't sometimes play the, the, the full song and, uh. and but, um, but it's, it's, it is cool to see them like at muscle, muscle shoals in the studio, listening to hey we just recorded wild horses let's listen to what it sounds like right like, yeah. that's just kind of badass i think like i think mick or somebody's just like you know got a full body a bottle of like wild turkey or something yeah. and i mean it's just you know it's just it's really 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 cool to to get sort of that footage because there's not too much footage that that i know of around this era of the stones actually yeah. in the studio doing there's some stuff in that weird documentary by, I believe it's Godard called sympathy for the devil, where it shows them kind of in the studio working out sympathy. Um, the, the stones but in this exile is after documentary. That. Yeah. Then, then that skips. Yeah. I'm just talking about in general, just yeah. seeing footage of the stones, like in the studio. Dude, it's it's like in the Bible where all of a sudden they're like, Oh, Hey, Jesus was born and he's a kid and now he's 30. Just kind of glossed over that whole part, you know? Dude, his formative years. I mean, yeah. Man. <laughs> yeah, you flip over He's, a table in the temple, and then it's like people don't say shit for 20 years. I know. Uh, he turned hell? water into wine. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, well, that's this a, is after, yeah. Yeah, but that's a big deal, man. Yeah. Like Anyways. Yeah. Um, dude, I, I did want to say a lot of uh, what you were talking about with Gimme Shelter is a good thing to kind of bring up because they had had, you might say, a bit of a rough go up until now. <laughs> yeah, um, but- they'd been on tour a lot. Keith had started a nice uh, heroin habit for himself. You know, yeah. that dude got killed at Altamont. That, that really wasn't um, probably favorable. Yeah, but there was a baby born, so it kind of... I'm just kidding. That's not cool. Yeah. Oh, oh, Altima. Yeah. I'm just saying, oh, well, it just evened out. No, it didn't. Yeah. No, but I think there was, no, there was, I think they said there was like four births there and like one death. I mean, anyways, yeah. Anyways, 
Yikes. viewer discretion advised for the Kimmy Shelter Ultima thing. But yeah, yeah, pretty, it, pretty it is worth watching. But it, dude, the chaos yeah. is just so palpable. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they had had run-ins with the law. I mean, drug busts. Like, yeah, it, it hadn't been just like you know, um, easy living. I guess is is maybe a good way to say it. And yeah, and, you know, I, I'm not exactly saying I feel sorry for them because you know they they chose the way they live but it, but regardless there was a lot of stuff that they were coming out of so i'm sure there was um for good reason there was probably a lot of speculation that this was going to be a flop yeah i could definitely see that um you know it's it, i never knew this because i just think of this album as like oh they went into the studio and they just recorded you know sticky fingers right but mm-hmm. it 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 didn't necessarily go like what track was it um that like sister morphine that was cut during like the let it bleed sessions and that was oh, kind yeah. of like a holdover and then even um you know in what was it uh, Marianne Faithful you know, gets writing credits on that too well cuz she recorded a version of it um so th- she came out with a version of it actually before they did heard it before they did oh yeah. that's pretty cool now, now they've they altered some of the lyrics. I have not heard that version or compared the two, um, but that that would be would be fairly Odds interesting. Odds are, I'd like the Stones one better. Just, just yeah, throwing darts at the wall so. there. Yeah, um, but yeah, it seemed like you know this this album, you know, they were doing sort of a collection of songs, and you know, like the songs that um, they did at Muscle Muscle Shoals, like "You Got to Move," "Brown Sugar," and "Wild Horses." Um, and then they they kind of do some other songs that are I guess you could say a little different, but you know they they're putting in the strings and the horns, maybe a little less bluesy than some. Um, it's just a it's an interesting collection of songs, um, and you know I'm I'm glad Sister Morphine made it. Um, yeah, it's, it's, that's a good. It's it would be interesting. I don't know. I can't picture that. Obviously, that song. I'd let it bleed for some reason. Um, and, and I think it's just one of those things. I mean, not to say that it couldn't go on there, but I just never, th- once I found that out, I was kind of surprised. I just felt like it just fit with these sessions, yeah. I guess. Um, well, so I, I so yeah, they had a couple that at least one holdover, right? Then they yeah. did it, the stuff at Muscle Shoals. And then I guess they came back to England and uh, a lot of it was done with they they had some sessions in this house that Mick Jagger owned apparently, um, and I guess those sessions were so fruitful they actually laid down a lot of stuff that would end up on Exile, Exile on Main right. Street when they were doing that too. So I guess those were considered some pretty productive sessions. For they had their them. mobile. They had their mobile studio. They were utilizing that. Dude, I which, really would like to know what that consisted of. Like how I need, many tracks and yeah, I know. Yeah. Um, well, did you want to talk about before we got into the uh, the tracks themselves? You want to talk oh, about the cover a little bit? Yeah, have to. Yeah. Yeah. Well, for those of oh, and I didn't even hold this up. Jeez. Oh my gosh. Okay. So for those people who haven't seen the cover, it is a. Um, a picture of a man. Some people thought that this was Mick Jagger, um, but it was not. Apparently, I guess Andy Warhol either photographed this or was there during the photograph session. And so, um, actually, they even had it where you know the original version had an actual zipper on it. Uh, 
And I've seen at my like used whatever record store or whatever, I've seen they, there's a version of it with the zipper on it. Have you seen oh, that before? Really? No. Yeah. I, I mean, I've seen it, but not for sale. I would probably bought it if I saw it. Yeah, I probably should have. I didn't. Um, but I guess that that would damage the vinyl when they would ship them and they'd have them all. And, and so I had read as, as a fix, and this is great for someone who's may have been in quality work at some point, but they just unzipped the zipper a little bit so that it would line up with the middle of the record and it wouldn't screw yeah, it up. That's it wouldn't funny. Just, yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah. Really is. Um, but yeah, I think that, you know, uh, th- that is pretty cool that they kind of had that sort of packaging and that, and that idea. But originally, it, what was it? It You could zip it all the way down and then behind the zipper were like little, little underwear. underpants. And it was rubber stamped and like a gold name of Andy Warhol. Yeah. And below it said the the photograph may not be. And then it just said ETC, I guess. Yeah. I so um, now, Grim, there's there's also a few different versions of this. Um, oh, the 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 Russian version is uh, I want a copy of this. I mean, this just seems amazing. The right? picture is interesting because uh, they, it's it appears to be a woman's body. Um, yes. And not like the, you know, I mean, well and good, but not like somewhere you're like, ooh, that's definitely. So it's a woman's body. The belt buckle has like the hammer and sickle on it. Like it's it's like a Russian military belt buckle on the yeah. jeans. Um, you obviously don't see the clear outline of a wiener like you do with uh, the other one. And then on the back, all the songs are just written in Russian. And, um, you know, it's just her butt. Yeah, that's cool. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's weird because I, I saw some pictures where they had them held up side by side. Yeah. It would be that'd just be interesting to have that pressing of it. Hell yeah, it would. Yeah. You know? I mean, that would be cool, you know, having multiple pressings because they're just all oh you want the spanish really pressing too where they had to have a completely yeah. at least with the russian one which by the way did not get released there until 1992 1992 that's, that's crazy that's wild so apparently there was deprived. some yeah some pretty heavy political controls in spain too uh but they had a different color altogether that looks more like the black keys thick freakness than, um, it does right yeah. <laughs> then uh you know this album yeah um yeah i don't know it's a weird uh weird thing in the spanish one yep i'm just gonna start collecting all the different versions of sticky fingers i can get my hands on i think dude you should i mean it's quite possibly my favorite stones album jeez that's wild okay um yeah what do right. what do you know about um, how it did? I mean, you know, there Commercial. were varying, yeah, there was varying degrees of. Um, I don't know if there's anything that regards. Well, it's the first Stones album to reach number one in the U.S. and the U.K., so it sold very well. Yeah, um, I, I think the first Stones album to reach both number one in the U.S. Yeah. and in the U.K. They had had number one albums, but maybe not in in, in each country. Um, yeah, I mean, I think overall, I think it was regarded, um, you know, pretty pretty well uh, critically. Um, I mean, I'm sure some people thought it was not awesome, but there's always oh you know, yeah, 
one in every crowd. Um, well, it was it was interesting because um, one critic wrote that um, you know it's it basically just thinks the album's kind of half half assed, but he said that it. It succeeds on the strength of the songs such as Bitch and Dead Flowers. Now, although those are both awesome songs, did you miss Can't You Hear Me Knocking? Like, did did, <laughs> yeah. did that one just have a skip in the beginning and you just didn't play it? I mean, I, I, don't, I just don't know how you can't hear that song and be like, dude... If I was yeah. going to put, if I was making like a huge playlist for somebody and you could yes. only choose one song by a band, that may well be the Stone song the Stone I would song. choose. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's up to, can you hear me knocking? Sympathy, give me shelter. Like it's, it's oh, dude, it's, yeah. It's, it, well, we'll get to the song. Well, let's get into the songs. What do you say about that? I guess. Okay, fine. Track number I, one, side one. What? I was just gonna say there was something we missed. First album that featured the the lips and tongue logo. Yes, which is kind of interesting because that's just such an iconic thing it for is. the Rolling Stones. You know what? I, I gotta admit it. I've never liked that logo. Oh, me neither. About I think it's, it's trashy. Like, uh, yeah, I, I do. I think it's there's something just weird. And, yeah, I agree with yeah. you. But it's, but it's it is, not I mean, my thing. But it is, yeah, it's synonymous it's with them. Sounds. It's and one thing I like is that all the albums of theirs that I really like, um, because I guess wherever they use that logo in this record is not very obvious. Yeah. It may be yeah. on the vinyl itself, like on the... So on my pressing that I have, it's just down here in the bottom corner. Okay, so that's fine. Yeah. Yeah. It's not like it's not like that was the hype sticker. No, it's I, not like it's the whole cover of the album. Yeah, or, which would be a terrible album cover yeah. choice. Oh, it's yeah. on the back of that. It's on the back of this. But, but this may not. Who knows if the original pressing was like that? Yeah, sure. Um, you know, it's it's a it's barely prominent on the. Is that a fingerprint on there? Sticky fingers. Oh, that little red thing on top looked like a fingerprint. Oh, this thing. Yeah. No, that's the tongue. That's the tongue. Oh, it the, is. Okay. Lips. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Anyways, that's that. Yeah. That is that. Well, uh, yeah. All right, Trim. I guess we can get into the songs there, Pellerino. We can. Track number one, Grim, Brown Sugar. Probably, if, if someone's not a Stones fan, you still probably oh, know you've this heard song because it's it's played on the radio three times a day, probably right. And classic rock radio still, yes. yeah. But it, um, you know, aside from all the play, it, it is still just a. It's a good song. Now, it's yeah. subject matter. It's it's super fucked up, but um, a <laughs> yeah. good song. So for me, this song actually, I feel like I know we were just talking about "Can You Hear Me Knocking," and maybe that's the one song you would play. But I feel like this song is actually very representative just of the Stones, just kind of sound. Oh, yeah. Sound like through the years going through even like their 80s stuff and everything. Like, I feel like this song just really encapsulates that. I I think that's a fair statement. Gritty guitars. You got a really good representation of Mick and Keith singing together with the brown sugar part. Mix, Mix vocals are 
what you would expect. Dude, Bobby Keys. Ooh, yeah. Oh, Bobby Keys Carson. Now, did you, have you heard there is an alternative version? And do you know about the alternative version that they did? I feel like I've heard this. Um, throw it at me. So, um, during, uh, there was a birthday party for Keith Richards and Bobby Keys, actually. And they recorded another version uh, which featured Al Cooper on piano and Eric Clapton on slide guitar. Oh, I would like to hear that. Yeah. Now, so one of the cool things about the Stones is they put out a lot of deluxe editions, super deluxe editions, yeah. all that stuff. So on, I believe it's either the deluxe or super deluxe edition, they do have that version of this song. So uh, it is on all your streaming services. So you oh, should that's be able to access sweet. That yeah, easily. I want to listen yeah. to that. I feel that's, like I've heard yeah. that, but it's one of those yeah. things you... You know, you could be like, oh, cool, an alternate version of this song. But then when they're like, oh, yeah, by the way, it features so-and-so and so-and-so doing this. It makes you, it piques your interest a little more. Oh, it, it does. Yeah. It's not like just like a demo. Right? Yeah. Where like half the lyrics aren't there. And, yeah. you know, it's missing a couple parts. Yeah. it's um, So, dude, track number two, Sway, uh, which is a B-side to Wild Horses. Mm-hmm. Um. So, dude, this actually has Mick Jagger playing rhythm guitar on this album, and that was um, his first electric performance on an album, apparently. Oh, really? That's yeah. cool. Yeah. That um, I did not know. Also, now I do remember. Vocals that are, did you hear that? Oh, good. Well, no, it wasn't the the background vocals bit, but um, I just remember seeing footage of him backstage in, I think, the Gimme Shelter documentary, and he's playing with Ike Turner. Him and Ike Turner are, like, trading licks back and forth, and, like, Mick sounds like he's holding his own playing blues. Yep. Nice. Nice. Yeah, I definitely need to watch Gimme Shelter again, that's for sure. Um, yeah, well, I guess Mick Taylor um, kind of felt that he deserved writing credit on this song as well as some other songs, and that's one of the reasons that, that he left. So I guess he had definitely had a hand in writing this one, And um, but it is, I think, I believe credited to, you know, Jagger Richards on this. Really? Yeah. That I did not know. Yeah. I don't know exactly what his role was in this song, but he felt that whatever he put in, he deserved a little more credit than he got. Um, But you are um, kind of the new dude in the Rolling Stones. It's kind of like, dude, you know, dude, Jason Newstead's bass was not in Injustice for All. For All. You know, he stuck it out and he was on the Black Album. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but dude pete townsend was one of the guys that they're saying uh contributed background vocals in this song really which i yeah that's cool i did not know that billy nichols and ronnie lane which maybe i should be familiar with them but i'm not okay no yeah not ringing a bell Um, mm -mm. so track number three wild horses and just Mm -hmm. kind of how we talked about them recording this at Muscle Shoals. Um, again, check it out. Great footage of them in the studio um, working on this song in the Gimme Shelter documentary. Um, but 
Yeah, Mick said that he didn't write this song about Marianne Faithful because it was over by then. But, um, you know, some people have suggested that he he did. But he also said that definitely, you know, you know, he's inside the piece emotionally. So I'm sure sure he had some, you know, close emotional ties to that situation. while yeah, he was, yeah. Uh, writing the song. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Um, yeah, it's, you know, it, well, this is one of the songs too that abco uh does co-own i believe it's this song and gosh i wanted to say brown sugar but i could i, could I was wrong. thinking it was uh, brown sugar as well was it? okay um yeah this is one of those ones and you know it's as far as like in the album goes you know it's 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 a great like slow ballad it's just like kind of like the sad song um but also one thing with this album that i've noticed is a lot of songs kind of start off very slow and a little more simple, and then they really build up. Um, mm-hmm. And you know, and and this is one of those one of those songs uh, songs to me. Um, now, one question: I'm curious, Grim, if you know anything about this. So it's say it's said that Mick Taylor plays the acoustic guitar on this song, and he uses something called the Nashville tuning. Are you aware of the Nashville tuning? Ah, uh, not ex- um. No, I could not tell you what it is off the top okay. of my head, but I'm aware of it as a recognized alternative tuning. Yeah. And I don't know if that's it's probably an open does it say if it's like an open G so tuning? It is open G. The, so the E A D and G strings are strung one octave higher than standard. That's what it says. So does that make sense to you? Wait, what? It says the E, A, D, and G strings are strung one octave higher than standard tuning. Oh, uh, wow. Okay, that is not what I would have thought. Interesting. Well, okay. Well, then I guess I don't know uh, what I thought I knew about the Nashville tuning. <laughs> well, you knew of it, so that's cool. Well, and I know that I know that there's a lot of songs where people have tried to to figure out and can't you hear me knocking the, the next one may be a good example of this too but um honky tonk women i know is another one where it's like people have figured out how to play these in standard tuning but then keith richards will go out on stage and he'll just like play the the g chord for um honky tonk woman and he doesn't have his hand on there because he has it tuned to like an open G. So he likes to mess around with open tunings and alternative stuff. Yeah. And I think that's that's a lot of those. And I've always wondered if there's an alternative turn, tuning used in the next song, Can't You Hear Me Knocking? Can you hear me knocking. Well, yeah, this is definitely my favorite track on the album. No um, and, and dude, I once I started doing research on this song, I was just blown away that how the whole jam session was essentially just a happy accident as they characterized it. Um, That was like, I had no idea that was the case because it sounds so polished to me. Oh yeah. uh, In the way they rate, like the way they play it and all the, how all the parts go together and just to like go through all those, you know, you have, it's not just them just like jamming. Like there's so many, there's the, you know, there's, you know, Bobby keys is on sax there and they're just doing all these different things. Billy and it's Preston like, was, you know, Billy Preston is, they're just having this little jam session yeah. and it doesn't, it, it goes on. It doesn't go on too long and everybody kind of gets their little 
riffing and part, and then it just ends perfectly. Yeah. I, I just 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 blown away, man. Oh, that that must have been one where they played that and they're like, tell me you got that on tape. You yeah. know, like as soon as they finished. Yeah. Because there's always yeah, that moment st- when you stop playing and you're like, okay, you can't talk until that symbol's all the way dead. So that if this is the take, you're not going to screw it up. Exactly. Um, but, dude... That guitar, that opening guitar riff. Oh. I mean, it just it just grabs you. Yeah, it, it is just so just nasty. And then Mick comes in. He's like, yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. Like just 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 way in the background, you can hear him in the back. Yeah, yeah. Um, and dude, it's been used. This, I mean, I think if people have are not from, or they think they're not familiar with this song, I think if they hear it, you'll be like, wow, I've heard that intro before because it's oh, been used yeah. a lot of. Movies and shows, blow. Uh, most notably, real big in blow. In, uh, blow a casino. Oh yeah, oh casino too. Casino. Yeah, okay, dude. They play like the majority of the song during this big montage scene with voiceover, where um, Joe Pesci is basically becoming like this big. You know, he decides to move to Vegas and kind of. Oh yeah, you know, yeah. yeah. T- basically, take it over, and he's <laughs> just committing all these crimes and messing people up and everything. So. Definitely, man. Check check that out. If uh, yeah, if you guys haven't haven't seen it, or uh, you know, I'm sure you've seen some show or movie where you've heard this song. So. Yeah. Um, last song on side one. You gotta move. Yeah, I don't know this. I don't know this gentleman called Gary Davis very well, but Fred McDowell, otherwise known as Mississippi Fred McDowell. Is who I would have imagined was the original author who penned this. Yeah, I can't say blues I know man. either, but it's it sounds like it is. Yeah, a blues sort of also gospel song. It's I think they said many gospel musicians have covered it. So oh, that could be. Gary sounds like Davis, it's just. Yeah. It, yeah, it sounds like it's just one of those songs that's it has kind of been around. Um, and they and, they like to do that, dude. They've covered Robert Johnson by this time. Like they kind of, I like that they kind of do that with the blues standards. Yeah. Well, and, and the thing is about that I really like about it, dude. I like the way Mick sings it. He sings it with this real, just kind of southern drawl, mm-hmm. right? Well, and he, um, yeah, he's done that in a couple other spots, yeah. and, and I've always and and does it again. It, we'll talk about in Dead Flowers too, pretty well. Yeah. 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 He does. He does. Um, well, then we flip it, Graham. Side two. Oh, and what a great way to come in with Biatch. Dude, it is, right? I mean, they freaking nailed this. It's just a kick-ass way to start side two. Got some really nasty, nasty riffs. Um, also, really utilizing the horns here in, oh, in yeah. this song. And, and not just... I, I can't remember if in any of the previous songs on this album so far, if we've really heard horns... But in this song, they are very, very oh, prominent. Brown sugar, like, man. Okay, yeah, I guess brown sugar. Yeah, um, and can't but hear this me song, But yeah, they're, they're they're right up in front. Yeah, they're right up there, and it's cool because I just feel like the way they're played in in this song to me is such a precursor to what they're gonna do on the next album, which is Exile on Main Yeah, Street, okay. Right? So, um, yeah. That's what I got on this song. Dude, I um, got the blues. Oh. oh. Yeah. No, I was just going to say, actually, with with Bitch, um, sort of the story with it was uh, Mick Taylor and, and Mick Jagger, uh, they were kind of like working on the song, and Keith was late to the studio, I guess. 
and he heard them kind of working on it and it just didn't sound very good. And so he asked uh, Andy Johns, who I guess was a sound engineer. He's like, oh, you know, oh, hand me my guitar. Right. And then so all of a sudden he just sped up the tempo and it with the electric guitar and just just that like that. It. It's like he just heard it and boom. I was like, OK, well, we're going to do it like this now. Yeah, that's so, that's um, pretty sweet. Yeah. Um, but yes, I got the blues, Grim. I got the blues. Uh, ballad. Kind of a blues ballad, right? I agree. I mean, it's kind of like this side's almost in a way wild horses, right? I mean, yeah. Now, one thing I do have to say is, is dude, Billy Preston's organ solo in it is is pretty sweet. Dude, it steals the show, man. It just does. Absolutely, like, it's it is the biggest. Yeah, it just stands out. Now, what so an awesome couple song. of years for that dude, because I mean, you know, you just you just kind of just happened to be a pretty big part of the Beatles final public performance and the let it be album. And then you just, you know, go play with the stones for a while and dude, yeah. not a bad gig, man. Building that resume. Yeah, I mean, dude, he nailed it. And he is, I mean, and it's, here's the thing though. It's not like he was just there and he's just kind of like filling in or, you know, like there was, you know, he's putting some parts in, in the background, like, his parts are prominent. Oh, if it in, wasn't in the song, in, in their you wouldn't songs. Have, it wouldn't be on the album. Right, yeah. It's not like, oh, cool, thanks for coming. We could have gotten anybody, but we decided to go with you. Like, no. Yeah. Like, he, he he crushes it. Oh, absolutely. He's absolutely. like, I'm sorry, did, did someone say my name? <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, pretty much. So now we go um, Sister Morphine. And yeah, uh, like you were saying, Marianne Faithful got partial writing credit. Um which, I mean, here's the thing: her and Mick were dating, right? Like they were together. So I imagine they, 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 you know, they were together, had some writing sessions, could have worked. Yeah, something out. It was, dude, it was probably like that. You know, the one uh, chick <laughs> on the Bob Marley documentary is just so casually. Oh yeah, when we were writing, I shot the right, sheriff. I shot the sheriff. Oh whoa! <laughs> yeah, you were probably just showing him all the chord changes too while you Bob, were at dude, it. Bob was probably like, "Okay, so what do you think we should do here?" Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, uh, I'm sure. Like, I'm I get sure that you were exactly. banging him, but like, dude, give me a break. Like, let's let's not ask for writing credits and royalties on the song just yet. Dude, she probably did. Yeah. Uh, anyways, um, but yeah. So the Stones version does have some different lyrics. I have not heard her version. I definitely want to check it out. Now. Yeah, I do too. Um, you know, uh, covers face it, off. It's back. Covers face back. off. Yes. Back. Um. But again, this is one of those songs. It, it does start off slow and then it kind of slowly kind of builds up and fills out, I guess, you know, because, I mean, it just um, really it begins just with that acoustic kind of coming in sort of sharply. Yeah. Like uh, it, yep. it, it, it's interesting. The way it comes in does have that kind of feel. Now, um, one thing I do have to say is to me as a standout is Ry Cooter's slide playing on this song. Dude, yes. Yes, uh, yes. As as the song builds, that is an integral part of that build. It sounds so different. Very unlike, I think, a lot of slides that I've heard in songs. So I don't Well, know and there could what, be a lot to that, depending on what type of guitar he's using, what type yeah. of slide. I mean, there's there's a lot of variables there, and it, I'm by no means an expert enough in 
exclusively this, playing slide to tell you. Yeah. It, to me, it kind of has this, and, and I think it fits the song, sort of like an uneasy feeling mm-hmm. uh, yeah. to it. There's Yeah, there's something weird about it that sounds, I don't want to say off, but it makes it feel almost a little uneasy is a good word, yeah. Uh, well, when you start looking at the lyrics and what it's about, too, I mean, yeah, I, you know, it's... There is does seem to be some sort of a story where like someone's in the hospital. Obviously, they're in pain and, you know, talking about, I I mean, Sister Morphine wanting to get, you know. uh, Well, see, now I wonder if it's that or if it's if it's um, like withdrawals, because that's usually what. Yeah, I I thought about that, too. Um, Just because of the way he says Tell me, please, Sister Morphine. I'm trying to score. Trying to that's score. that's that's right. the part that makes me think of that. Yeah, but then there's there's times where he's talking about, um, uh, gosh, what what is it at the end? Like I see red or something like that. Yeah, you know, like he sees blood and oh know, yeah, he's like, oh, I'm not going to survive tomorrow. And then you got sweet cousin cocaine, which is which is uh, oh, just a phenomenal line. Yeah. I, that is amazing, sweet cousin cocaine. Yeah. Lay your cool, cool hand on my head. <laughs> That's pretty badass. I know. <laughs> um, dead flowers. I I like it when they try to do country. Yeah, because no, it's, most it's people fun, man, would not do one. the accent. Yeah, it, he does this American country yeah, accent, and it's, and it's really funny, freaking hilarious. It is really hilarious um, because it's one of those things where we've always said, sort of throughout when we listen to the Beatles and the Stones, a lot of times we're like, oh, we feel like they lose their English accent. Yeah, um, you know, in 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 a lot of the songs, but. This one, you can tell that he is obviously trying to sing in like an American country accent, yeah. almost like almost like poking a little, you know, this little jab, right? Poking fun at it, too. Now, um, someone had described this album as uh, the Stones most druggy album. And at first I was thinking, yeah, I don't know about that, but I I do kind of get it because Can't You Hear Me Knocking makes references to cocaine. Um, Sister Morphine. Morphine. You know, and then Dead Flowers, there's that there's that line where he says, I'll be in my basement room with a needle with a a needle and a spoon. Yeah. 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 Making bets on Kentucky Derby. Yeah. 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 That's that's pretty blatant. It, yeah, it's it's great. Well, and you know, one thing that I I've I really loved is uh, one of our favorite movies, The Big Lebowski. A cover of this song is used like right at the end, at the ending credit scene, oh, where yeah. they're Donnie's passed away and they're sitting at the bar, and you know, Sam Elliott. It's slower says though, right? A little slower. It is. It's much. It's much much slower. I think it might even be a live version cover of it. Um, and it's, yeah, it's by someone named, they're saying Towns Van Zant. Oh yeah. Um, I've heard of that dude. Yeah. He's, yeah. he's supposed to be, I'd actually like to know more about him. He's supposed to be quite a character. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I can't say I do know much about him, but, um, yeah, I, I just think this is a beautiful song. I, I, it's, it's one of my favorites. I really like it. Like it a lot. Um, we wrap up the album, Grim. Moonlight Mile. Moonlight Mile. Now, on Moonlight Mile, 
The Dude, only person drug reference <laughs> head full of snow. <laughs> oh yeah. I didn't think about that. That's a great point. Um, yeah, but sorry, continue. Speaking of that, uh, this is the only guitar on this is Mr. Mick Jagger. Keith Richards really? is too doped out, I guess. Yeah. And he, he wow. played acoustic on this one. And I think this is where the, this is the only spot where the strings are, right? Isn't there strings in this one? There are strings at the end. Yes. Big strings. Yeah. Well, maybe. Yeah. And maybe Jagger played the part. It's I I did read, though, that Mick Taylor took a guitar piece from Keith Richards and it was called Japanese thing and reworked it. Now, maybe maybe Jagger is the one who actually played it and put it on the album. Oh, Um, no, no, no. I'm sorry. I think I think um, Mick Taylor did play on this uh this song oh. but he played the electric part i think it was what? it was mick that just played that acoustic acoustic riff part. yeah jagger yeah. yes yes that's what they say yeah jagger plays the prominent uh acoustic riff um yeah he did say though like it's even there is that line with a head full of snow that it was um jagger did say it was like not really about drugs and um mm, you know he yeah he, Basically, what he said was it was, you know, the feeling I had that the um, at the moment that how difficult it was to be touring and he wasn't looking forward to going on the road and doing again. And it was kind of like a lonely thing in his 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 lyrics lyrics kind of reflected that. So and he does say just another mad uh, mad day on the road. Yeah, Um, I'm just I'm just living to to be by your side. So it is kind of like, hey, I'm on the road. I can't be with you. That's what I want. You know, I want to be. I want to be doing. Yeah. Um, but again, this is this is one of those songs that starts off slow and then really builds up again. And I just think, dude, the the orchestration of the song is great. I love the strings come in um, and even like that that electric guitar strumming. And I'm sure that's what Mick Taylor plays. Um, it's not like this amazing part you know when that comes in but it just adds another layer oh yeah to yeah, it yeah. that i it just sounds really great so all right grim time to scratch a track one thing real quick that's interesting bill wyman gets credit for playing electric piano Ooh, does on you gotta move and i guess i never listened for that <laughs> and then for bass Maybe guitar, it's, it says all but five. So instead of playing bass, he played electric piano on it. I don't know. Interesting. I'll have to listen yeah, for that. Yeah. All right, Grim, what you got for me? This is a tough one, man. Tough one. Scratching? Mm, yeah. Scratching. Use your sticky finger to scratch. Oh. Fucking moment of silence over here. Dude, for this small chronic break, I know. Um, I'm going to have to go with I Got the Blues. Okay. And okay. reason being... Um, I mean, Even with Billy's Hammond solo. I Dude, Billy's Hammond solo is sick, but I just... Aside from that, it's just sort of like... I kind of a formulaic sort of like soul song and the other ones that would have been in that wild horses is too classic. And I love the way that they do. You got to move with there. 
you know, it's just there's something yeah. about it where like I couldn't get rid of that. Yeah. But I got the blues is just kind of a slow point for me. Sure, but the Not Hammond solo is D capital D disgusting. Yeah. Well, um, we're not going to overtime. Um, I'm actually going to ruffle some feathers here. And um, I know it's a classic, but the flip side of that and go with Wild Horses. Oh, yeah, I could. OK, that's it's a good song. I like it. But when I listen to this album, I skip that song. I just do. Uh, I've, I've heard it. Well, and times. that doesn't that doesn't help either, because I, I hate to say it, but yeah. With a lot of these songs, I mean, dude, classic rock radio destroyed a lot of great songs. Oh, brown Sugar. I mean, definitely Brown Sugar. Um, you know, it, it, yeah, it did. It did. Um, a lot of stuff I mean, for Zep. I mean, oh. just all those bands. Like, yeah. Anyways. Yeah. So, um, well, everyone, let us know what track you would scratch off this album. We know it's a classic. We know it's amazing, but there's always one. Even if you don't want to, you got to mm-hmm. pick one. So also let us know what your favorite track is. You should probably start with Can You Hear Me Knocking and then just list your favorite track. Like, subscribe, and comment below. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's uh, pretty much right. Yeah, I'm, I'm right. Thank you. No, um, I, it's, right. yeah, it's, I wasn't saying that even just for you to feel reaffirmed because you don't need to. You know you are. Oh, in that, yes. yeah. yeah. So it just is. Yeah, you know, it's it has been said, so it has been written. All right. Well, I think that about does it here. Sticky fingers is a scratch with a zipper, sti- just like the real oh, version yeah. had this the possibility of, of. Yes. All right. Well, until next time, I think it's time to go. Scratcher Track is produced by the Dude and Grim. Additional music provided by Moore, that's dot 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 M O R E, and the Tims, T I M N Z. Copyright 2022, The Dude and Grim Show.